0: welcome to interviews on between the pieces where tank and dps go to protospiels other conventions and talk to prototype designers and figure out where they are with their works in
1: progress
2: Alrighty, so we're here on sunday of protospiel online in october and we are here with chris chris tell us what you're doing here at protospiel
1: hey guys thanks for having me on uh testing out quite a few games at protospiel this weekend but uh uh, one of the ones that I'm really excited to get back on the table is the Clockwork Maze of Professor Blunderbuss, hmm. which is my the first game that I uh, ever designed. Um, it's a steampunk-themed cooperative adventure game where you're navigating a uh, a maze that's constantly changing, a mechanical maze invented by hmm. a evil genius. And uh, you're a team of steampunk inventors, and you're trying to make all kinds of cool steampunk soldiers and robots and automatons and fit them out with weapons and devices to help you navigate this mechanical maze. And um, so Protospiel, of course, is just a fantastic opportunity to um, playtest. Um, these days, it's one of the few remaining ways to play test with anyone with <laughs> your family. Especially online. Um, especially, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I just love Protospiel as a platform. So excited to get everything on the table this weekend.
2: It seems like quite a game to try and put over, like, tabletop. How has that been affecting your ability to playtest it?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, actually, uh, it's been a bit out of commission for a while. Um, I've been trying to show it to a few publishers, but have kind of been taking a fresh look at it and taking a lot of feedback and wanting to make some um, iterations on it. And so, I'm excited to get it back on the playtesting table after, um, after a little bit of a break. Um, so... Again, Protospiel is the perfect place for that, and it's it's one of my favorite online conventions. So um, I guess to answer your question, it is a bit of a handful. It was the first thing that I ever put on Tabletop Simulator. um, And looking back at the first iteration that I actually let people play, I'm a bit appalled (laughs) (laughs) that I I let anyone interact with this uh, Tabletop Simulator mod because it was pretty atrocious. So having learned a ton over the past few years of having made a lot more games Mm -hmm. uh, in Tabletop Simulator, um, I feel like I've been able to improve it a great deal. And so, um, yeah, it's been a much better experience uh, at this Protoss Field than in prior uh, run-throughs online with the game.
2: I'm sure a lot of designers are encountering that nowadays where they're having to use tabletop simulator and things like that to post their games. Did you like learn through any online tutorials or anything to help you, you know, bridge that information gap or was it all pretty much self-taught?
1: Yeah, I, I would say self-taught in the sense that I didn't really take a class or watch a long video. You know, my, my typical style for learning uh, these kind of online things is to poke around with it a little bit as I, as I go um, use the online help that's that's easily available to, to answer my immediate questions. But then uh, really what I've uh, enjoyed most about this hobby in general is the community mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the fact that you can jump on a Facebook group. Um, I, you know, I'm a part of several online game design groups and everyone there is just so um, dedicated to lifting each other up and helping each other learn new tricks and and uh, answer questions and find best practices. And uh, so that's what I've really relied on is uh, the general gaming community to answer TTS questions, tabletop simulator questions, and then also uh, tabletop simulator specific groups, which Mm -hmm. um, are also a great resource.
2: So the resources are out there. You just got to ask the questions. You don't have to continue to bang your head against the wall.
0: (laughs) I feel like you're You're talking to me. (laughs) i see you eric (laughs) well you mentioned that this was a a game that you've kind of gone back to and iterated a lot a lot on so uh, how long have you been working on this game and also kind of curious what inspired it because the name is very interesting
1: (laughs) thank you uh yeah i've been working on this game since 2017 i guess the middle of 2017 so it's over three years now, again, with some with some breaks to work on other things built in there.
2: Complex um, games take a while.
1: Exactly, yeah. And and especially when, you know, I was never really a, a super um, in-depth, I mean, this is sort of the way that, that got me into even hobby gaming at all. I kind of decided I wanted to make a game and then started learning about hobby gaming, which was kind of backwards. Um, That's one way to yeah. do it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I you know, I I had played Pandemic a lot and mm-hmm. all, all the variations of it and I loved it and that was really my introduction to hobby gaming. And so, uh surprise surprise, my first game is a co-op, um, you know, where you're trying to uh, achieve some goals. It's it, there's some definite structural similarities to Pandemic in my game, but as you pointed out, the theme is very different. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think the feel of the game is very different too. It's uh, it it's uh the co-op nature of it is really where the similarities end. You know, now that it's, as you know, as you iterate a game, it seldom ends up being much like uh, what you start with. So, um, uh, but it's been a fun journey trying to to uh, evolve the game. Uh, as for an inspiration, I think you know, I, I was playing Pandemic in a laundromat with my wife <laughs> one one day when our uh, washer and dryer were on the fritz. Oh no! <laughs> and, you know, we set it up and I was like, man, I wish there was a more sort of portable, like magnetic, like I would love a game that you could play in the car that mm-hmm. has magnets that sort of things stick, but it's cool and strategic. Um, now, ask me as your next question, is my game anything like that?
0: <laughs> because Chris, answer, is your answer, game anything like that?
1: No, Eric, it's not. It's nothing <laughs> like that whatsoever. So... Uh, but that's what inspired me to want to make a game, mm-hmm. and the one thing that has survived um, from that uh, inspiration is the the magnetic idea, mm-hmm. not in the, not in the way that I originally envisioned, though, because in uh, in the Clockwork Maze, it does use magnets, but but almost the opposite of sticking things to the board. So uh, the game has some very intricately um, shaped tiles uh-huh. that that sort of interlock; they're almost like gears, and to have those you know 15 or 20 of those spread out on a table without anything to kind of hold them in place became total chaos because they're turning they're you mm-hmm. know they're all rotating as well and so i uh, i added another hobby into my burgeoning game design hobby mm-hmm. and got into 3D printing
2: <laughs> and there so you go. i
1: <laughs> so uh, to support my game design hobby so i 3D printed uh, this sort of uh, rails or sort mm-hmm. of a grid a raised grid that these tiles would fit into And what I realized was it was possible to get them back out again once you dropped them down into these slots. And so um, the the magnetic tiles with a little magnetic key-like handle that you could use to pick Mm. them up and turn them and pull them out and move them around has become one of the really cool hooks of the game that everybody seems to really enjoy.
2: That's interesting. Most people start with either a theme or a mechanic for a game. You started with toys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's that feels about right yep
2: <laughs> everybody comes at this from- can't
1: think about the time i put into making it look good as as wasted effort if if it ends up changing i think um, the I-
2: caveat to it is that if you can yourself make it shiny then yes do whatever you want for yourself. If you have to pay to make it shiny, then you should wait till the very end.
1: Yeah, that's totally fair. And also you have to be uh, thick skinned enough to know that even if you can make it, um, make it attractive, um, to you, you have to be resilient in the sense that you know that if you sell it to a publisher or license it to a publisher, mm-hmm. that they're very likely going to be scrapping all of your oh, hard work yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on that front. But I guess my point is that for me, um, the aesthetic part of designing the prototype is such a big part of the joy that I get out of the hobby that I, I don't think I'd want to do it if I couldn't make it look good Uh mm-hmm throughout the process, you know, that's what, that's what motivates me to keep going with a game. So I really, I'm right right there with you. I'm right there with you.
0: I'm uh, out of the two of us. I'm not really the artist. I can do a little bit of graphic design, but I mean, I can scribble stuff down on index cards all day. And (laughs) I mean, I, I need it to start looking like something. Otherwise it just doesn't have the same feel and there's also just that benefit you get from icons and symbols mm-hmm. that conveys so much more information quickly that allows people to enjoy your game faster.
2: Yeah, that's and, right. And yep. if you can
0: shorten that playtime, shorten that teach, shorten the understanding of your game so that they can give you better feedback on things that matter, like how it felt to do X action. That's way better for me.
1: That's a great point. Um, yeah, and, and I think that's I think that's sort of the key for me is that it, that you've got to be careful not to confuse clear graphic design with a waste of art that's not yeah. going to end up in the final product because you know um, the graphic layout of the cards really can affect whether the game feels playable to playtesters or not mm-hmm. you know and you're going to end up getting a lot of play t- of uh, feedback on how good your game is that may not be accurate Um, you know the game itself the mechanics of the game itself may be super fun if only it was clear how it worked to those playing it without a ton of explanation so I think your point's well taken and the other thing about that is even the art to me can change the perception of the game I've got a game I've got another game I'm working on called uh, Diary of a Teenage Summoner um, where (laughs) um, I love your
0: titles well thanks I
1: appreciate that yeah um but, you know, one thing that uh, one bit of feedback that I got was it's it's heavy on summoner and not very strong on teenage. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it, it was missing that uh, that that attitude, uh, you know, mm-hmm. of what it would be like to be in that age group with superpowers. Right. And I think that part of it's because I was using all these very basic icons on the cards that should be. Convey a lot more of the theme. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, if I were to double down on getting some great imagery, even borrowed imagery uh, into those cards, people would have a different perception of it.
2: Well, also, I mean, even if you have great art, if you don't have the graphic design behind it or the knowledge of how to utilize it in a board game, that could make or break the art that you have, regardless how good it is.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Very true. Very true.
2: That's the thing. Like, I get a lot of people, like, when I do commissions and stuff, that I'll say, hey, this is a good idea this way, but then they want it their way. And I'm like, but graphically, it's going to be better this way. And sometimes you have to convince people. It's like, trust me, I've made a bunch of board games already.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: If you want people trust to be able expert. to read this, it needs to be black lettering.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, coming from the video world of working with clients on on jobs like that, I know, I know that's definitely true. It's frustrating when the client feels like they they, they're married to a bad idea
2: oh yeah (laughs) what
0: do you mean you can't read white lettering when you're looking at a overexposed background
2: come on (laughs) or yellow on overexposed (laughs) (laughs)
0: well uh, that's pretty much all the questions we have for you is there anything that you want to talk about plug on some social media or websites
1: uh, folks are welcome to take a look at my projects on, uh, uh, on my website, it's www.stoneagedistractions.com, uh, all one word, and uh, just keeping in mind that those are projects at all different levels of completion, so uh, I try and throw up my early ideas to get a sense of what people think about those. There's a little button there that you can follow and get my, my roughly monthly little newsletter update that I send out. Um, other than that look for me on Facebook I, I try to creep around all the, uh, the big game design sites my favorite is the uh, BGDL Facebook page which I know a lot of folks are, uh, are members of and uh, look forward to seeing folks there.
2: Alrighty well thank you as always all the information will be in the text box below alright
0: nice talking with you
1: thanks guys this has been a lot of fun
0: thank you for listening to interviews on Between the Pieces with Tank and DPS see you next time